Hello and welcome. This is the Movie Nuts Podcast. I am your host, Rob Shive. I am the administrator of the Facebook closed group, The Movie Nuts. If you are interested in joining, please contact us. And you can talk movies and talk about the same sort of silly things we talk about on the podcast, but in Facebook posts, etc. I am pleased this week that I actually have a guest. You will just have to listen to me this week, and this is the first of many. We had our panel discussion about funny movies a few Sundays ago that went up as a podcast, but this one is a specific topic that is near and dear to my guest's heart. Welcome, Christy. Hello, movie nuts and randos. And other random people. Exactly. Well, speaking of random, Christy's favorite type of movie is what we're going to be talking today, and these are well known as the disaster movies. Dun, 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 dun. Well, and thanks to uh, the 70s starting them off, and now the Sci-Fi Channel, which has decided that any creature in any place in any part of the world that is either large, fire-breathing, or can multiply by some act of God can constitute a disaster, we will seemingly have an endless supply of disaster movies to torment mankind. I should tell you that I consider creature features to be somewhat of a subset of disaster movies. I see. Well, there you get the true, and I guess if you want to consider as the starting point, Jaws is a sort of disaster movie with a creature. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, disaster movies are an underappreciated sector of the movies. These are great. I'm a big fan of them for a variety of reasons. Number one, typically, surprisingly, they sucker one or more big names into disaster movies. you got to like that one. Number two, I really like the high drama. Actually, I just like the idea at heart of how normal, random people would act in extraordinary circumstances, like a building collapse or an ice age that happens in three days. Or the ever-popular, my ship turns upside down. Yes, yes, my ship turns upside down in the middle of the ocean. You know, we don't have these, we can all talk big about, you know, kind of the way we were, you know, would do or, you know, who knows, somebody might look like they're a strong person and then they really cry and run away. You just don't know. And disaster movies really drills down into that. Plus, it's just some kicking special effects, man. Well, and really from the start, if you go back to probably the 70s, which is the origin point, it's remarkable if you watch those original ones, Airport, yes. Towering Inferno, all the Irwin Allen ones, Poseidon Adventure, just how many people you could get of significance to play roles in these things. I mean, the casts of Airport. Oh, yeah, we just watched Airport. Rob and I both just watched Airport. And the number of people, um, I'm terrible at actor and actress names, so if I were better at it, I could name them all. But I'm telling you, even somebody as stupid as me about actors and actresses actually recognized like 90% of the cast. Well, you've got Burt Lancaster as the airport manager, uh, Dean Martin in a rare dramatic role yes. where he appears sober throughout the majority of the film. And actually, is play, he's damn he's, good, he's actually. Uh, Jacqueline Bissett as a stewardess. And if you've ever watched all the airport movies that extended to Concords and Underwater, the uh, the one <coughs> constant is great character actor George Kennedy's yes. engineer, I'm not sure exactly what his title is, Miracle Worker, yes. Petrosky. He may get a first name at some point. He does not get one in airport. No, no, no. He's just the guy who's behind the scenes going to work some miracles, man. Well, you always have to have that person that can explain why the stuff doesn't work. Yes. And by the way, see, you guys probably aren't familiar with airport, but you're all familiar with the awesome spoof airplane. And what you really don't realize is, is that, 
you really don't fully understand or appreciate airplane until you've seen all of the airport disaster movies and then you realize exactly what in the hell it is they're spoofing in airplane right uh in in fact right down to the the joke where they line up to slap Yes. The one gal, there's a in the very first one, the priest slaps the loudmouth guy in airport. Yes. So yes, yeah, that's that's the original. That's really the first star laden one. And they even allude to it. If you want to go really really deep, remember the the red zone is for loading and unloading, and white zone. Yes. And as it turns out, those two announcers are having a relationship, and one of them, he's like, "You just want me to get an abortion." Right. As it turns out, in airport, half those jabronis in that movie are screwing each other and one of the flight attendants is pregnant and the other guy wants an abortion right that's yeah dean martin is the captain who who has impregnated uh the 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 flight attendant jacqueline bissett and they have the discussion in all seriousness that that the two red zone white zone people do including of course the great line don't give me any more of your Your white zone zone shit. shit yes so after airport uh, Irwin Allen, who produced television shows uh, like Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea and other very special effects laden, grabbed this genre and took us on a ship that a tidal wave turns upside down in the Poseidon Adventure and then burned the world's tallest building. Yeah, that one had O.J. Simpson in it, by the way, FYI. Yeah, the Towering Inferno had O.J. as the security chief uh, before his, well, infamous Bronco run. But again, these are movies that inexplicably, despite the fact that the star is either a burning building or an upside-down yes. ship, drew the likes of Gene Hackman, Paul Newman, Absolutely. Faye Dunaway, Steve McQueen, William Holden. Uh, big, big, big stars, Leslie honestly. Nielsen, which is a nice comeback around the airplane, is the yes. captain of the SS Poseidon. He is the captain. I totally be- forgotten that. Before he gets turned upside down. But the, the one other thing that... that we had been talking about that's always fun to look for and uh, airport is a great one for this is there's this seeming moralism needed to justify the disaster mm-hmm. usually the easy one the easy sin to throw out is greed which uh, if you look at Poseidon adventure they're steaming through a storm because they shouldn't because they've got to get to port to destroy and decommission the ship very titanic-esque except for the decommission part right in the towering inferno they've cut corners on the wiring to save money in airport they're all screwing each other yep and and the guy has the bomb because he wants to defraud the insurance company there's sin 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 and the little old lady is a stowaway yes airport makes sure that you absolutely have no question that these damn people have it coming they really do. and But there's also always an element of redemption. And, and again, I really like the, you know, who's going to be the star and everything. But, you know, if you can't really wrap your mind around the disaster movies of the 70s, then I get it. Because you may not be able to get past the hair or the clothes or the dialogue. Um, the 20, you know, our, our modern day has really brought us some outstanding examples of disaster movies. And I will throw one out to you that's in the last couple of years and was an Oscar nominee. Okay. The Impossible. Ewan McGregor yeah. and a really famous woman whose name I should know but don't. Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts. Thank you very much. It's about the tsunami that like hit. The flooding and all that. In the Indian Ocean. Now, what was, was there a sin in that one? Interestingly enough... There is a little bit of a sin in that. You have a very brief scene poolside. They're living in Japan. They're from somewhere in Europe. Now, from their accent, I'm guessing Britain. But the behind the scenes said that the, the real story, this is about a real story. It actually happened to a Spanish family. 
and they interviewed them and they said they could tell their story if they don't reveal make it them from being from Spain because they wanted it to feel like everyone's story so you really don't know where they're originally from but they're living in Japan but what you do know is his job is in peril that she is a doctor who's no longer practicing because she's given it up to watch the kids so he can pursue his career in Asia which isn't going that well so they're and, having their own relationship right. tsunami and, and, and yes the yes they are and he, she even basically says well maybe this means it's time to go home and he's like really because that's not good for me and it's tabled but while it's not a big sin you definitely in some ways go oh you know all right this what seemingly is a perfect family with three kids right there is an element of maybe somebody doing somebody wrong and and the the whole overcoming nature, overcoming impossible odds to survive. Which, oh, yeah, man versus does. nature. I mean, you know, that goes back to London and, you know, uh, yeah, well, that wait, what wolf book. Oh, <laughs> The Call of the Wild? Yes. One of us is an English major. Guess which? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I read it. I knew the name. My it, way was funnier. Yeah, that's true. And, well, Aristotle's Poetics and a few other things that reference how drama and comedy and all that is Absolutely. But, you know, I, I agree. And one of the things that I think it has become the, the watchword with these, as with a lot of movies, is, you know, you got to blow up more stuff nowadays. You can't just turn it over this. I mean, look at Independence Day, which yes. I, I know we have friends that love, and I just think it's awful, terrible drag. Really? I actually really love it, but I, I, I love it more from the... I, screw you. <laughs> I more love it because I'm a closet Bill Pullman fan. I'm, I might be his biggest fan. I think he's... Wonderful. You might be all four of the officers in his in his fan club. That, you could be, be the secretary and the treasurer. I but might be. Actually, damn it. In, in fairness, he is in Spaceballs and a few other. He yeah. a couple of other good yeah. movies. Yeah. But that's another movie where uh, Roland Emmerich and and uh, Dean Devlin must have walked around all night going, "Okay, everyone's blown everything else up we can possibly think of. How what about the no Earth? Ever, how about the Earth? And let's start with the White House. And uh, and but." In their core, they all do come back to that redemption and who's going to survive. Uh, I mean, it would be interesting to chart out if you looked at some of these because one of the beauties of them is the question of at what point you lose a major character and why oh, yeah. and all well, that. And, and here's where I want to lay out some of my favorite like criteria of what makes a good disaster movie. Okay. All right, because you say losing it. Number one is is that a good disaster movie is not afraid to, well, kill people. I mean, I you know, that's why The Impossible, even though I give it two thumbs up and is amazing, you know, spoiler alert, the entire family lives. So, yeah, I mean... It's a great movie, blah, blah, blah. My heart is warmed, but I'm a little, you know, disappointed because no major character died. I mean, yeah, millions died, but or thousands. But, right. So somebody big has got to die. I mean, that's, that's a good disaster movie. Number two, a good disaster movie, in my mind, there has the president involved. At some point, you see the president, or they call the president, Mr. President, You've got to make a decision. It's big. It's bad. It's yes, terrible. Yes, we're going to send the oil drillers onto That's the right. asteroid. The day after tomorrow, Mr. President, we need to, you know, abandon the top third of the, you know, evacuate the well, the southern states into Mexico. Well, usually in some of the, the 
smaller circumstance ones, yeah. it's a government authority figure. Like, yes. Like the mayor is trapped and, in and the actually, penthouse at the town town. And, and, and thank you for backing me off. It doesn't have to be the president. You're right. A mayor, a city councilman, I need a government authority saying something and, you know, being that may or may not. And it would be preferable if they bumble about a little bit and possibly sure. stall too long and make the situation worse. Always good. And then third, I love me... When I love a good scientist and a scientist that has a computer or an iPad or something that has a program that you're like, what in the hell program is that? They pops up a message that says earthquake to commence in 14 seconds, 13, 12. Right. Like you're like, really? The pop up message is earthquake, you know, or that specific. Oh, hey, they didn't have smartphones to tell them this. I, I'm just saying that it's an awfully specific program written that pops up these very explicit messages. I want to write. You know something that's to me a good hallmark. Of- well, the, yeah, the the exposition character is almost always necessary because yes. you have to either figure out where you're going to create hope out of their bad situation with that yes. person or explain why it happened. Uh, but sometimes you even get like uh, the Poseidon Adventure has the kid. Yes. Who has toured the entire ship and he knows where the main passage is and that the hull is thinnest by the propellers. He's the little exposition. And and frankly, a good disaster movie, in my opinion, has what I like to call the rule breaker who finds a redemptive moment. So they've spent their whole lives just flaunting society's rules. And that may mean that they're a thief. It may just mean that it's a little kid wandering around and not following what mom and dad had to do. But somehow, some way, they're acts which on the surface of it weren't the right things to do somehow brought them a knowledge that allows them to somehow help this situation as it stands right now the the suffering (coughs) the suffering started on a sin always finds some type of a virtue uh even if it's kind of a lame one like red buttons falls in love red buttons who can't get a date side adventure falls in love with carol lindley who's kind of a ninny but at any rate absolutely or you know, or uh, Fred Astaire, who sells the fake stocks, finds love, and then Jennifer Jones falls out of the scenic elevator. But all, yeah, you you, you start off with some kind of a sin, and through experiencing this yes. this multi layered tragedy, they end up with some type of a virtue. Well, and I also like the crazy person who, as it turns out, isn't crazy. It's the whole, you're not paranoid if it's really true. You know, I love, you know, the monster shouter type of character that, you know, the weird guy with, like, Jesus shoes and straggly hair with a sign on the corner, the end is near. And as it turns right. out, the end is near. Um, that I, You know, it's the Woody Harrelson character in 2012, in Ye- you know, who's, got, who's camping out in Yellowstone and sending out his radio broadcast to right. whoever can listen who's claiming that there's a big government conspiracy as it turns out there is a big government conspiracy right. yeah that's it, it, it's sort of a classic if you look at structure which is the big Sidfield screenplay thing there's usually got to be some character that pops in and either puts doubt as to what the character's plan is yes. or or who has provided the answer all along that they've been ignoring yes it, you know well, and I'm going to add, throw something else out. On the surface of it, most people would, you hear disaster movies, and they're haters. Haters, haters, haters. You know, haters got to hate, hate, hate. Whatever. But what I would throw out is is that most of you don't realize that you're a super fan of the genre. You're just not understanding the breadth of the genre. I would posit that zombie movies and the very apocalyptic nature of the zombie universe where... 
you know, there's no authority, the zombies run rampant, you're fearing for your lives, are in essence a disaster movie and one of the most popular shows on television right now is The Walking Dead which is a you know a, this new apocalyptic type of zombie world that really is one running disaster after another I mean there isn't a person on the planet who hasn't heard of it watched it at least once and half of them love it and that's disaster that's under the disaster umbrella you bitches didn't know you like disasters well, and you, you know, even the original Night of the Living Dead was yes. essentially a commentary on the sin, yes. the social injustice that comes all the way back again when when the the hero who survives the zombie Absolutely. is killed accidentally and then treated like a, a piece of meat. So, yeah, I mean, it, it really depends on on how broad you want to make it. But yeah, the the narrative to be all film Siskel and Eberty about it basically always comes down to to people rising above and then something coming out. Extraordinary circumstances. Right. So, okay, well, let's go ahead and say those people who you've just challenged, who either think they don't like them or are are closets. All right, if you had to give me three that any person who thinks they would like to become a lover or should renew their passion for disaster movies should watch. Now, I'm going to say I think you... My, my immediate feeling is, if you're going to really appreciate the genre, you have to watch at least one solid turkey, a la Meteor, or Earthquake, <laughs> or something like that. Really? Out of the gate? You're going to start doing that to them? They're going to make them hate them? Well, honestly, those are the movies I love the best, frankly. Yeah, but watch, I mean, watch a couple of good ones, and then see, when you take, when you take the genre to that really next place where you go, oh, are you kidding me? Uh, the one I will pick, well, you're formulating your, your list in your mind here. Uh, if you want to watch one that's just pure cheeseball and awful, and it, again, has all the criteria, uh, including your, your required president, is a film called Meteor from the late 70s. Oh, that is it, a good one. It, it stars a then not career redeemed Sean Connery as a scientist, the ever-lovely Natalie Wood, with probably the worst Russian accent ever, is a scientist from Russia. Martin Landau is a rogue general. And there is a meteor headed for Earth that we are going to have to, to blow up through orbiting rocket platforms. And uh, sort of like the shark in Jaws, the meteor has its own horrible synthesizer low note score but my favorite part about the meteor is as they take these ominous shots of it heading towards earth and of course there's a timer and the president has authorized and we can only blow it up if the russians and the americans the soviets in those days get along yeah but the meteor isn't just coming through space at earth explicably it's tumbling towards earth so as they shoot it, it's not just coming this way; it's rolling through space. Well, which is yeah, wonderful. Yeah, uh, but it has everything, and uh, Martin Landau gets kicked out of the war room that looks like it was built in the honeymoon suite of the Las Vegas Hilton. And then he gets his head back together and comes back in to help the scientists. And by the way, one of the more telltale things about the uh, the entire oh Henry Fonda is also in that. Uh, telltale things is they did not have a lot of money for Sean Connery's rug. It's among the worst of his career, frankly. That's awesome. I need to watch it just for that. I'm going to throw out to you uh, what I consider to be a pretty darn good one if you want every cliche in the planet in a disaster movie. 
um, and it's a very, very good introduction. And that is Volcano with Tommy Lee Jones. And I, is it, Ann H the... Uh, yes. She's the, the yes. female lead pop-off. Yeah, and, and again, it's because it has every cliche that a disaster movie can have is in this movie. It's fast, it's action-packed, even down to just the cliche bonding moment between the white LAPD officer who really does feel and look racist and the black ghetto you know uh guy in the neighborhood who wants them to stop trying to put out the fire by the art museum and instead come down to his neighborhood uh and, so all and, it takes to fix race relations in los angeles is a volcano yeah it's, it's a, a volcano LA, it recall, is it is it? yes okay. it is and, and 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 so now if you want the big Rob wants you to watch a big stinking turd. I don't think it's a stinking turd, but you might. But it's a great older movie. Is a skip over airport, which probably for your taste takes about an hour and 25 minutes to get into the disaster to build the story. Yeah, it's got so, a very brief disaster zone. But after, after that, you get a, you get all sorts of great scenes. Yeah, that are but start with Airport 1975 because oh, it really skips a lot of that. It learns to skip... Yeah. to shorten and you get right to the pro I really like airport 1975 and airport 1979 so uh, either one of those as the saying goes of course you do <laughs> uh, as a for a for a big budget choice to me I think the a number one most favorite one is is still the towering inferno which is a mid-70s oh, extravaganza with giant stars in fact there's all sorts of cool goofy stuff about it it was originally offered. It's about the world's tallest building, and it lights on fire because they use bad wiring and hired O.J. Simpson as their security chief. Uh, Paul Newman is an architect who designed the building. William Holden is the rich guy who built the building. Uh, Steve McQueen is the fire chief, and Richard Chamberlain is the designated greedy bad guy. But ultimately, the best part about it, uh, from the old trivia sense of it, is Steve McQueen was originally offered the movie, and they wanted him to be the architect. And McQueen was famous for not liking to say a lot in movies, and the architect had too damn many lines. Yeah. So his answer was, get somebody of my caliber to play the architect, I'll play the fire chief, I'll have better lines, but I want first billing. So then they offer it to Paul Newman, who says, yeah, I'll be the architect, but I want first billing. (laughs) And that movie invented the idea that left, lower, right, upper gave you equal billing. So if you look at the posters, McQueen is... The first name read left to right, but he's low, and Paul Newman is higher, but on the right. Oh, that's awesome. So that's awesome. how they co-credited them. But anyway, the building burns for about two and a half hours. Fresh air is in this movie, too. Yeah. And again, it has all the elements, and, it, and the most wonderfully disaster movie scene of the whole thing probably is to empty this building. They get across the, the, the way on another building, and they shoot what they refer to as a breaches buoy, which is a little chair that runs yes. along a cable. Now, imagining the, the, I don't remember how many floors are in this building, but imagining being tethered in this little bitty rickety chair across between two buildings in the wind. Yeah, it's a terrible yeah. idea. Don't do it, kids. Yeah, but of course, they can't get down any other way because, because Richard Chamberlain is a bad, bad person and also uh, William Holden's son-in-law. Yes. Uh, there's concrete that they failed to pour properly that blocks one door. Oh, no, they do. Uh, a, I mean, they thing. deserve yeah. everything that happened to them. But it, it's a long one. But if, if you want to sit through that and see pretty much every part of the disaster genre touched, including all the stars, and... Uh, uh, Paul Newman also has my favorite line there when you, he's having an argument about all the cost overruns with William Holden yes. about he had to do this and everything's up to code and he turns around to him and says, well, what do you call it when you kill people? 
yeah, so so he, he wins there. So okay, what's what's your what's third, your next one? My third one is going to be I'm going to offer to you a one that's been out in the last few years, and one to broaden to show you that disaster movies do indeed include zombies, because um, it has a lot of very good. A lot of the things that are the disaster movies when they do it well, or when are good or really done well, are actually in this movie. And I would say World War Z. I think that they do a Brad real Pitt. Brad Pitt, and again, big name star. Um, it, you know, strangely for whatever reason, I mean, it's a pretty great movie. Especially, there's a great scene um, once they get to a lab, and he realizes they kind of realize that zombies aren't attacking people who have basically deadly diseases. They're going to die anyway, and he chooses to inject himself with like really deadly diseases that he thinks he can have their antidotes to, so that he can walk through like zombies to get out. Something, blah blah blah. Seriously, World War Z. Surprisingly, two thumbs up. Okay, I'm going to still reach back again because, well, I'm older than you are. That's all right. Uh, another another one that is not as famous but has a really interesting combination of facts. And the one thing that I like about it that I'll explain at the end of it is the is the Hindenburg. Ooh, good which, one. Which was a late 70s, again, that attempts to explain to us how the Hindenburg explosion occurred with a seriously contrived story. But... Yes. But nonetheless, uh, you get George C. Scott, so you've got your major star, but you have a little bit of a more of a mystery component as to how this is going to end. But the the real reason that it must make the list to me is that it, it features such a, a nod to exactly what it is that, if you may recall, at the very end, after they show the old footage and the Oath of Humanity, mm-hmm. on the screen, one character at a time, they show you a roster of who survived. Yes. Yes, and so, it really is nice to point to be like a highlight for you. Just who are the winners right. and who are the losers just, in this disaster? Just to show you uh, what what kind of audience you were dealing with back in those days, and probably still are. My very favorite part of that is the very last survivor aboard the Hindenburg is the dog. Yes, and when I was in the theater, and they cheer. The crowd cheered much more loudly than any of the people had survived, but the Dalmatian, I think it was. Yeah. survived much of the great delight of, of the crowd. So. It makes me want to in my screenplay that I'm writing, which is a disaster screenplay, but kind of, of yes, take the from that and do the same thing at the very end, which is throw up pictures of the people who survive the last whatever and yeah, well, and, like, and like with the, a dog. As Robert Evans would say, as the, the kid stays in the picture, my advice to you would be save the dog. Yes, save the dog. And with that, I think we've, you know, they always save the dog. By the way, all disaster movies, they always save the dog. You can't kill the dog, man. You can never kill the dog. They know it's the death of the movie. In fact, there's a, there's a screenwriting book that, that is called, I believe it is, Save the Cat or something like that, that makes reference that you find something helpless, and if it survives, the, the audience will like you. So anyway, well, that's a quick primer on the fun of disaster films. If you have a favorite or another one we haven't missed or another observation of some of the lovely movies we've discussed. Or a reason why we're just batshit cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs because we are talking about disaster movies and you want to insult us. Yeah. Hey, movie nuts. Movie nuts. Yes. Nuts. We're nuts. nuts about movies. Uh, anyway. I get it. I didn't get it before now. Oh, uh, well, I'm, I'm so glad. See? Public service message as well as information on disaster movies. Well, thanks for listening. We'll and do thanks another for podcast. having me on oh, the, my pleasure on and the podcast, man. And by the way, I'm going to take a minute to you know plug myself. Plugger. If you're a podcast listener, I don't talk about movies, but you know I sure would like your listen. If you go to iTunes, you can find my podcast, which is Zubida's World. That's two words. There's an apostrophe 
you know, because of a possessive. Z-U-B-I-D-A, apostrophe S world. Zubida's world on iTunes. Um, for what it's worth, there's a bunch of randos in Germany and the UK that seem to really dig me. Uh, so I'd like the United States to kind of, you know, pull their own weight. I don't think we've broken the international dateline with the movie nuts, but who knows? I'll check the statistics. Dare to dream. At any rate, thanks for listening, and uh, we will be back podcasting soon. And again, if you have questions, comments, something you want to talk about, or a favorite movie genre you would like to be the guest to talk about, let me know. Thanks all. Bye. <laughs>